Hello, and welcome to CDO Magazine interview series. I'm Mark Johnson, CEO and co-founder at Team Central. And today I have the pleasure of talking with Mateus Rialfi, who's the CEO and co-founder at Tint. Um, Mateus, it's nice to meet you and and uh, welcome to the, uh, the interview series with CDO Magazine. Hi, Mark. Uh, it's nice to meet you as well. Thank you so much for having me. Great. Uh, looking forward to the discussion. And, and learning more about uh, Tint and what's what's kind of driven your guys' success so far. So let's just kick off. And why don't you just tell me a little bit about your product, um, you know, the, the types of customers that you serve, the industries that you might serve, and and just give give uh, the audience a little bit of an introduction as to, to what Tint does. Yeah, absolutely. So we uh, help companies create their own embedded protection and insurance products. And then help them like you know, create some of the intrinsic risks that they have, uh, turn them into opportunities. So think about the last time you use an Airbnb or an Uber, you don't think about it, but those companies spend a lot of time and energy to make sure they are kind of insurance and protection uh, products as part of their offering. So as a user, you get uh, a great experience. So think about you are an Airbnb, the place catches fire, right? Like you know. Today, Airbnb has an insurance protect or a protection product they call a cover that will pay for any damage that will happen. And as a user, you don't even have to think about it. You just book the place, enjoy the experience, and you know if something were to go wrong, you are covered. So we work with uh, companies of different industries, uh, particularly in the uh, vacation rental space, shipping, kind of marketplaces more broadly, helping them create the same kind of sort of protections to help them you know, accelerate their core business and also kind of improve their uh, their customer experience. Gotcha. What are the you know particular types of of customers that, that you generally interact with? Is it you know uh, evolving tech like Airbnb, or is it uh-huh. uh, uh, more established consumer products? What what are some of the um, types of of, uh, of of customers that you guys are going after? Yeah, we're, our customers are typically innovators in their spaces. So they are pushing the boundaries. So they are creating new things that inevitably create new risks that can be addressed by their customers. So, for example, we work at a marketplace called Neighbor that think about Airbnb for storage. So you can, you know, like, like uh, rent part of your house or your garage for somebody else who needs space. So they're, they're a customer of ours. Or we have another company called Citizen Cheaper, which is in the capacity transportation space, but also larger customers like Deal, which is one of the fastest growth SaaS companies in the world, a multi-billion dollar company that kind of helps uh, companies kind of manage uh, contractors all over the world. So we, we see in different shapes, sizes, but they're typically uh, tech-savvy innovators in their own yep. spaces. Interesting. What, what? Just out of curiosity, what's your background and what kind of led you into the insurance space? Yeah, my background is definitely not insurance, and I like to say that everybody's insurance got it, uh, into it by accident, and it wasn't different uh, with me. So my background: I'm born and raised in Brazil. I came to the U.S. to study, uh, do my MBA at a Harvard Business School. And the reason why I came is that I wanted to come to the Silicon Valley and start a global businesses from here. I think there's really no better place in the world uh, to do that. And uh, I used MBA as, as my my entry door, came here, joined a startup called Turo, um, was one of the early employees, worked 80% of my time in insurance. So that's kind of the accident part. I had yeah. no idea that I would end up spending so much time 
and the insurance space because obviously Turo was pushing the boundaries, was creating a whole new kind of insurance category to, to succeed. And no, I, my co-founder was there as well. We saw um, the opportunity because Turo was effectively creating an insurance product, but we saw how hard it was for the company to do it without help. Um, it was very hard to build software for this. It was always very hard to get priorities from the product teams to work on um, something that was not directly part of their core business. And that was our inspiration to create Tint, which is the company that we wish existed when we were uh, working at Turo. Interesting. And so what, what are some of the things you talked a little bit about what your motivation was for uh, for kind of doing this, but what are some of the things today that kind of inspire you or or uh, kind of drive that uh, the you and and the team to to kind of keep keep building and, and innovating in this space? Yeah, the core motivation we have is that now insurance, in our point of view, should be a feature and not a product, right? So yeah. if you think about insurance as a standalone product. It's not something consumers care about, that consumers like. But think about the insurance industry spends billions of dollars a year in advertisements and everywhere you go, naming stadiums, like whatnot, to try to create a brand awareness for a product that it's very important, but people don't care about uh, it, right? So we believe that there's a better way, which is the embedded insurance way where the insurance product become a feature of something bigger. Going back to the Airbnb example that we talked about, like, Imagine if Airbnb, after you book a rental, said so like, okay, Mark, now you're on their own. Go on Google and search for renter's insurance if you really want to protect yourself. Like, it just doesn't work, right? It's much yeah. better than Airbnb. I already thought about it. I already made, I already made part of the product. And as a user, if something goes wrong, you're protected, but you don't have to care about it. And yeah. we think that like, that's the biggest change, the biggest transformation that is happening in the insurance industry since it was created 300 years ago, because the model that we, the standalone insurance model is a model that is 300 years old and it hasn't really changed. And we believe what gets us very excited, very motivated, like we think there is a better way. And yeah. it's the way where the brands become the the ones who offer protection. Interesting. That's that's really interesting. Um, you know, if you think about, um, when did you guys start the journey? Just out of curiosity, how many years have you been uh, at We this? started five years ago. Okay. All right. So about, about five years. What What are some of the things over the, that five-year period that have really kind of been the the factors or catalysts for success? You know, what are some of the things that have really, really kind of given you guys momentum? For us, it was all about understanding our customers. So as I mentioned, Jerome and I were at Turo before, so... We were with the time where the company we deeply understood marketplaces and their needs, how they think, how they operate. And now our they were the early adopters of our solution. So our first you know, few customers were mostly marketplaces, companies that we probably had already met through a network. So we were able to establish that in our early credibility and get like the first few companies over the hump to try something something new. Um, and so that was something that kind of really helped us um, in, 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 in the, at the beginning of the journey. Now we're at a stage where we're starting to uh, go after customers in, in verticals that we don't have prior relationship. So then it's definitely now it's a, it's a different journey, but we believe that at this point in our company, we already built some kind of reference customers. We built some 
um, knowledge, like we have a very strong team of experts that kind of can help us carry over to new verticals without necessarily our relationships. Yeah. T- tell us a little bit about you know, platforms and just, you know, how um, how does the particular marketplace that you guys have started, how does it, you know, tell me about the, the, the buying and just what the what the customer experience might look like on both sides of the equation. Yeah, no, for us, typically the, the engagement is like we say you are getting an example of shipping marketplace. But suppose you yep. connect people shipping things like cars, couches, motorcycles with carriers, with trucks that would do the shipping. Yep. Suppose that's the that's the, the the customer. So typical engagement, like we go with them, we um understand like you know what they do, what is the risk, what they're shipping, how, how often, things like that. We give them an assessment of the risk and say, well, in order to create, a, say, a shipping protection here, that will protect the shipper if, say, the car is damaged during the shipping, that will cost X. And then we agree on like, roughly how this is going to look like on, on their side. Because think about this shipping marketplace that I'm talking about here, they will be selling there. They will be offering that protection product to their customers. Like we are a B2B, yeah. if you will. So we we agree with them. So we agree roughly how this is going to look like. Obviously, we have best practices. We've done that multiple times. So we give them the playbook of how those things should work. They integrate the API. So we our platform talks to their platform in real time behind the scenes. And it's typically a seamless integration. And after that, you know, off they go, they launch. And our team kind of have... Uh, monthly check-ins with them just to see if things are working as expected, the programs are performing as, as we would like. Uh, and, and that's it. So we get a process that is very complicated, which is a process of launching a new protection or, or insurance product and making a very streamlined um, and kind of tech first. Got it. That makes sense. So I, I'm, I'm with you now. So the your guys' knowledge of marketplaces in general helped you because you weren't necessarily building a marketplace, but all of your customers are generally customers that that have built their own marketplaces as well. So you you provide a platform for those customers that are building their own marketplaces, correct? Yeah, that's a, that's right. You, you, you're right. So our, our customers are typically marketplaces because think about before change. So those same marketplaces who are customers, uh, they had to go talk with brokers. They have to talk with insurers. They just can't understand their business. Like they don't speak the same language. It's, it's a very kind of hard and, and friction process, which was what I experienced when I was uh, running uh, international at Turo and being the one going to talk with those insurers and kind of those, those relationships. So I think what, what Tint does in, in many ways, like we we can't speak both languages. Yeah. So we can bridge this gap. Is, is the... Um... Maybe two parts to this question. Is the product mostly kind of headless in nature where you're just selling the the tech in the API or is there also kind of also a uh, kind of a login or a, an app, so to speak, that that the customer uses or is it a combination of the two? It's a combination of two. So we have our underlying infrastructure with the APIs where they, they connect and they're like, you know, the, in the insurance world, it's called the quote and and, and process where the car API would split prices. Okay, for this um, transaction is gonna be $12 for, for the protection. Like we have all of this happening behind the scenes, but we also have an app where our customers can log in to see how this program is performing, 
to get gotcha. a sense of like now what are like see more details about each of the 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 uh, protection uh, probably configure settings and, and configure settings adjust uh, claims like things like that that makes sense who, who then ends up being in most of the like who is generally the buyer when you go into these customers is it somebody that is kind of on the on the product side or fairly technical or what's the who are you guys usually trying to you know make relationships with from a from a customer standpoint? Yeah, typically the decision to use Tint is a C level decision. So invariably yeah. has it is so strategic to those companies affecting like some part of their core value proposition that no, it's typically a, a C level decision. But in terms of who is our kind of user who can initiate this conversation, we've seen that it changes. In some yeah. companies, the product team is in charge of, like, say, operations yeah. and risk. In other companies, they have a dedicated ops team. But I'd say, in either way, it ends up being a kind of C level uh, conversation. Gotcha. That makes sense. What you know, if you you know the 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 flip side of you know the the biggest catalysts um, for for your success. You know, what are some of the things that have just been hard? You know, what are the the hurdles that you guys have had in terms of uh, really kind of finding product market fit and, and growing the business, um, both both technical as well as sales. Just what are some of the biggest challenges you guys have ever had to overcome, and and how did you do that? Quite honestly, yeah. So I mean, for us, it's the fact that like insurance, the insurance ecosystem is complicated, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. complex and it's slow. So <laughs> if you come from an agile background, when you can build fast, break things, launch things today, tomorrow, you know if it's working or not. Not <laughs> our case, right? In our case, we probably um, count some, the feedback loop may take months, really. So that's one yeah. of the, the hard things is actually, I would say, try to accelerate the industry while being part of it by understanding that there's some pieces like compliance that cannot be accelerated in any way. So that has been, you know, a was a little bit of an adjustment. We came from uh, pure software background. So we definitely had a view of like of agile of the world of moving a lot, lot fast. I think we now after five years, we recognize and appreciate that some things in insurance in any regulated industry, but insurance specifically cannot be accelerated and we have to plan. Uh, yeah. that. So today we kind of redesign or readjust our product cycles or like you know, how we think about um, getting uh, inputs from customers versus building more like a vision that we have and um, assuming that we won't be able to test everything. So it has definitely been a journey for us, but it has been a very, very exciting for sure. Yeah. When you, when you, and you don't have to name specific competitors, certainly, but when you think about competition, is your competition, you know, a lot of the older, more established um, insurance companies that have existed for, you know, long periods of time or is it uh, other organizations that are kind of trying to to kind of provide these more embedded um insurance type products like what what's um what does that landscape look like yeah so we we definitely have both we have some uh insure techs that are trying to you know innovators are coming on the uh, space and we have the traditional players like frankly i think our main competition today um is the traditional players because yeah. they still have you know, billions and if not trillions of dollars of business that they get every year um, in, in a um, kind of antiquated, 
not very efficient way. While if you look at our competitors, they are all roughly our size, meaning like it's a sure small fraction of the industry of the potential that Embedded has. So yeah, I think we are all, my, the way I see, we are all kind of in the same boat competing with more established. Yeah. Uh, when you compete against those bigger brands, is it usually just the tech and the user experience that you guys can provide as compared to what, you know, what, what, what helps you guys win in those, those circumstances? Yeah, we're definitely, we are more like, you know, as a tech savvy, a more tech enabled solution, but I think we're trying to approach the problem in a very different way. When we mm -hmm. go to our, our customers, what we're selling is the infrastructure, the software, so they can power their own product. So yep. at the end of the day, like they have ownership of what's the what's the protection product. Say so this is a shipping protection product. It is their branded shipping protection product where they have control and they see as almost like an, an infrastructure that 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 helps with that. While let's say if you go to the traditional players, they are trying to sell their own products, right? They're trying to they keep the IP, they keep the uh, customer and they're just trying to use those customers as a channel pretty yep. much so we believe that is in the embedded that is a a critical shift in mindset where the companies they go from being just a small piece of the puzzle and a distributor to really the stars of the show and yeah with insights with the data with the customer relationships yep. that are fundamental to create those products so yep. we, we build more with this mentality and i think it sounds like a small change when you think about them kind of high level, but when you think about what that means in terms of what exactly the product does, how it operates, it's it's very different. Gotcha. Makes sense. That's it's uh, a lot. Um, I want to switch, switch gears a little bit. You know, if you think about the company that you've built and, and continue to build and, and where you guys have uh, where you started and, and you know, it looks like there's been you know, some recent Series A investment and starting to really kind of scale and take off. How's the company changed? Like, what are some things that you uh, like and don't like about, you know, do you miss parts of the old days? You know, what are what are some of the just lessons learned and in, 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 in things about your company that that uh, that you've seen evolve both good and bad? Yeah, I think from if I think about our company, I think we are very like in line with what you would expect from any other venture backed uh, startup that kind of changes stages. Right? So obviously, uh, we were like three of us and four of us for a long time. So then, when you have four people, it's like there's no, just no process, no structure, no anything. It's just like get together do work, tests, stay, and it's a, kind of that excitement on like, you don't have anything. So there's no risk, there's no protecting, there's no consideration. Now at this stage we are, we have about 45 uh, people in our team and you know, we're growing fast. So we're definitely already starting to see and put some of the processes and planning and budgeting, you know, like all those things that are very necessary when you are at that scale. So I think I think we've seen we've seen it all, like as you would expect from from that transition. I mean, there's definitely kind of like I like the fact now we have more people, more voices, more resources, and we can I mean have a much bigger impact than when we were for in a room trying to figure out. Now, from from time to time, I do miss that feeling of like yeah, it's it's just easier, faster, 
more fun when you are very trying to get from zero to one than when you are on the one to 10 and 10 to 100 yep. Uh, yep. pieces of journey. But you know, I think it's, it is important. Like I personally think I'm also growing and evolving as this journey goes and kind of enjoying each of those steps um, alongside the way. That makes sense. Did you have a moment where, you know, kind of the aha moment where you're like, this is going to work. This is going to be big. Um, I, I better not screw this up. You know, and tight. Did, did you, or, or was it a series of moments where you're like, you know, whether it's just the the market opportunity or the technology, whatever it was that, that, um, that you really kind of felt very confident about the success of your business? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, as a, we, like for us, there, there, there are a lot of things, right? So that they can explain that. But I think one of the uh, aha moment, there was a time when a few things aligned, which was like late 2020, which not coincidentally is when we got into Y Combinator. It was when like, you know, we finally realized that like, instead of trying to work on a smaller piece of the infrastructure um, and try to optimize this kind of one, do this one thing well, we were better off um, doing the end-to-end -end solution. So think about yeah. uh, think about like uh, the analogy we like to use is the car, right? We used to sell a car engine. There was a very powerful engine, like you know, world-class, but we're going to our customers and saying, here's the engine, it's great, but you have to build the rest of the car yourself. Yeah. Go yep. figure it out. I mean, some customers could, and they were excited about, but a lot of them were telling us, like, I just don't know how to build the rest of the car. So we eventually, what I call the end-to-end -end solution, we started to give them the car. And by yeah. the way, the car has a powerful engine, which is great, but I give you the car and then I will guide you, I will, help, I will teach you how to drive, and then you, you're going to end up driving. To me, that was the aha moment when we started to pitch the kind of, like we the end-to-end embedded insurance platform. When it started to go from, um, I don't fully understand how an engine works to, no, I, yeah, I understand how this end-to-end -end works well. And yeah. like immediately with investors, with you know, prospects. So there was that a very clear moment. Obviously, a lot of things need to happen for us to get there. It was not that we woke up and like, uh-huh. But there was a click. It clicked around, let's say, late 2022. And then from there, we went to Wagonator and raised our series, uh, uh, seed in early 2021, Series A uh, at the end of the year. And kind of obviously they're kind of going going from there. Yeah, it's it, I wouldn't I don't know that I'd classify that as a pivot, but it's like it it almost seems like a pretty big expansion of your scope. Um, was was that hard to take on in terms of now? Okay, now our MVP is going to take us eight more months to you know, or or was it not really that? Am I am I kind of um, maybe? Um, misinterpreting that a little bit it was definitely uh, increasing in scope and it definitely felt at the time like you're saying which is like wow now it's going to take us another x months to like a long time to build it and if you want to know we're we're not done right i think yeah. the reality <laughs> is that you know our kind of benchmark is says lloyd's of london um which is a 300 year old company that processes 50 billion dollars in premiums every year like we still have a, a lot more, a few other building blocks that we need to put in place before we can say that our end-to-end -end is fully ready, right? Yeah. Fully or productized, if, if you will. Of course, today we have 
everything we need, but you now some of them we're gonna do manually. Some like in our goal is to, as a tech company, we're building everything in our products so that eventually we can scale uh, a lot yeah. faster. Yeah, it was definitely um, a little bit scary at the time, but it's the right approach. So in that case, you only have one choice, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you you think about it, it seems like you guys probably have a pretty broad range of of different types of customers. You know, when you go to do a, a customer implementation, what does that generally look like? Like, what are the general steps? How long does it take? What are the hardest pieces of it? Um, you know, what are what are some of the you know what what does that what does that customer journey look like and start with for you guys? Sure. So let's say when they sign the contract, they start an onboarding period. It takes on average three months, yeah. but you now from like our API can be integrated you know, as fast as a week, we'll probably see. But I'd say three months is probably the time it takes for the customer to make you know, any operation changes they need to make, change their product, um, change an FAQ, so things like, like that that they need. And so it's, it's about three months. And then they, we go with them through the process, they integrate the API, we run some tests, they go live and we monitor. But, you know, we are definitely also working to kind of find ways to streamline this process, right? Or make part of those things optional so that the customers that they want a more kind of low touch, fast implementation solution to get started, they can get it. We believe that most of the power and the magic happen when they're using the entire platform, entire solution. But, you know, we're, we're kind of learning as, as we go, we're kind of expanding our products uh, scope so that we can kind of cater to different needs when it comes to integration. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. When, when you guys think about your product roadmap and decisions that you're making and, you know, um, smaller bug fixes versus more strategic long-term features, you know, talk me through about just how you guys think about that. What's the process you use in, in terms of making decisions around product and in product features and you know investment in new new things. Yeah, we try to have a balance between what are more like short term. Obviously, we we have even one of our values that we're customer first. So listening to your custom to our customers and acting on the feedback that we receive from them is top of mind for us, right? And it definitely has a very high priority. But we do try to balance this with some of those more to your point like my long term bats that we have there sometimes based on visions sometimes based on our understanding of the market to make sure that we're just not reactive to the features that people are using obviously it's it's easier said than done as as you know but i do think we kind of try to you know especially like you know protect a, a part of the the roadmap that is going to go for those more short-term things because otherwise you're never going to find time right? like your our customers have great ideas they have needs and um, we want to get them all out, but we definitely need to try to balance. Yeah. Where is your, is your product team or, or just team in general, mostly in Silicon Valley or are you guys spread all over, all over the world? No, yeah, we're a remote team. Uh, we have folks in eight, uh, different countries. Uh, the bulk of the team is in the U S and in France, in, in Europe, but France more specifically, not coincidentally, I'm here. My co-founder is French. He is in France. But we have folks, you know, in, in Brazil. We have folks in in, in Nigeria and in, in different uh, countries. Wow. Interesting. 
You know, uh, last last couple questions. You know, if you think about um, your journey through this thing and, and and going through Y Combinator and coming to the U.S. from Brazil, um, which is a, a extremely impressive story, by the way. I congratulate you on all those uh, all those steps along the way. But but what advice, if any, would you have for other entrepreneurs who are um, contemplating making some of the decisions that you made and were obviously really successful at? Um, yeah, I think to me, one of the main learnings is that you need grit. Just keep going, right? Like I think, you know, again, it's very easy and tempting and misleading, I would say, to look at this journey backwards and say, like, yeah, everything was very easy. And I can help. So, and it's absolutely not the case, right? And even 10, as I mentioned, we are five, year, uh, five years old. We did, we, we did have our fair share of times where like things are not working and it's unclear how the future is going to look like. And I think it was something we did very well and I, is to kind of just keep going, right? Just having grit, just try it again, try it again. And I thought personally that was like a little bit, that was that not important. That was like too kind of fluffy and unstructured. But if you look at founders and if you look at found teams, like, that tends to be one of the main reasons they explain success from failure because they all, doesn't matter how fancy they are today as founders, as companies are successful, they've been through a lot of hard times. And the yeah. difference is that they, they were able to keep going while many others just don't. So that would yeah. be number one advice. I'd heard something recently. I can't remember the podcast uh, that I heard this on, but it was recent. And it was around interviewing and building the team and trying to tease out different qualities and persistence, grit. And, you know, I would lump into one thing and then curiosity was the second thing, just being a lifelong learner. And, uh, but, you know, if you have those two things, you can do just about anything. Um, That's so right. I appreciate I, you I that. that. Um, last thing I'll, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, I, I do have some experience in the in insurance space, not a lot, but I, I'd just be interested in any, predictions or thoughts that you have for the future um you can share or not share things that you guys are targeting to do that might be big bets but or big thoughts um just anything that you might be thinking about or or uh or, or like i said any type of prediction that you have for your for the industry that you're in yeah our biggest prediction is that insurance is going to become a feature yeah that is that is a big one that changes everything changes how who does what um how different parts are compensated changes how consumers interact like it changes everything and we believe that's going to be a, a big one like i don't know and think that necessarily it's going to change the entire industry like again insurance as, as you know is a two trillion dollar massive complicated yeah industry. so i i know you're saying this, everything's going to change but i would say that a significant portion of how people and companies consume insurance would change because the reality you guys, when, when you're thinking about that Mateus, to you is it all all forms you know property and casualty but but health insurance and all, all forms is that is that areas that you guys would envision potentially playing in as well yeah we we specialize in focusing property and, and casualty so i know less about the other ones but again i wouldn't see why they couldn't they couldn't change for for all yep. their categories as well and i think you know think about in the future you can buy your car and it comes with insurance you buy yep. your home comes with insurance so you know getting into a plane 
there's already travel insurance. Like today, yep. travel is a good example where you can already buy and check out there are a few things, but like even that, how is this going to evolve so that you don't even have to worry about it? It just comes yep. with what you're doing and, and things like that. So nobody knows exactly how this is going to play out, but I think there is a somewhat consensus in the market that that's a huge wave that is coming and it's going to change a lot how uh, the industry operates. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you, Mateus. Um, it was a lot of fun uh, getting to know you and kind of hearing uh, your your path through Brazil to Harvard, the Silicon Valley, to Tint. Um, so I want to thank you for joining me today um, and, and sharing a little bit about that. Um, and I also want to um, kind of let the audience know to please visit cdomagazine.tech for, for additional interviews. So, so thank you, Mateus. Thank you very much, Mark. It was a pleasure speaking with you.